Andrew Stanton, who wrote and directed Pixar's WALL-E, gave a helpful description for Movie Night Automata. He said there are two kinds of robots in movies, humans with metal skin like the Tin Man, and machines with function like R2-D2, the Pixar Lamp, or Luxo Jr. WALL-E, which Pixar executives originally compared to making a movie about the Pixar Lamp and Shell, is of course the second kind of robot. But literally in exactly the same sentence, in that same moment, we said, oh, and this was John, this was me, this was Pete, Doctor, this is Joe Ramps, all finished each other's sentence and said, oh, it, well, it should be like R2-D2, it should be like the Luxo Lamp character that John did. It shouldn't speak like your eye. It should speak the way it was built. It should speak with the integrity of the machine parts that put it together. Right. And that was just like common sense to us. That's what would make it interesting. Right. Um, so that was never questioned. And in our first three entries, Blade Runner, After Yang, and Ex Machina, we've mainly explored characters who fit into that first category. When Wally came out in 2008, it was two years after Al Gore had raised the alarm bell about climate change with an inconvenient truth. As a society, we were only starting to grapple with the environmental crisis we'd be failing to fight for the next 17 years. The premise of Wally shows an Earth ruined by capitalist degradation, mainly wrought by an all-purpose beverage company by and large. Neglect, pollution, and an unwillingness to fight against rampant consumerism. The company and human laziness ruins the Earth and then shuttles the human race into space while robot cleaners work on Operation Cleanup. That's some bad news. Um, Operation Cleanup has, well, uh, failed. What you know, rising toxicity levels have made life unsustainable on Earth. Unsustainable? What? <laughs> Darn it all, we're going to have to cancel Operation Recolonize. So. Somewhere within the first lifetime, they realize it's too big a task and give up on cleaning the Earth. But robot cleaners like Wally continue the task, and other robots in the EVE model make trips to Earth hoping to find some kind of life like a plant among the rubble. By 700 years after the humans abandoned the Earth, Wally is the only robot left functioning on Earth. The Earth's president, played by Fred Willard, is the only live-action character in the movie, sets a directive, unbeknownst to anyone in control of the ship, that since it's too hard to clean the Earth, they would not be returning. The original script, which had been workshop by Andrew Stanton and Pete Docter in the mid-90s after Toy Story had brought Pixar to prominence, was too ambitious of a project at that time, and Pete Docter abandoned the story to direct Monsters, Inc. Wow. Yeah, it, but again, it wasn't called Wally. There right. wasn't a love story. There wasn't the, all the details weren't there. It was uh -huh. just the idea of this lonely machine, uh, not knowing that it was wasting its time for years. It was shelved under the title Trash Planet, as neither Andrew Stanton nor the Pixar executives quite knew what to do with it. Ironically, in some ways, Wally is standard fare for Pixar by this point. Thematic ideas in Wally: nostalgia, romance, the banding together of non-human characters against human ignorance. Some of it is well-worn territory for Pixar, even if Wally as a character gave them pause for being too like the lamp. Wally! At the heart of it, Wally is a love story more than anything else. Wally falls in love with the Eve unit, as she's the only robot that Wally meets at first. Stanton played with other ideas inspired by films like Planet of the Apes and Spartacus, where the robots rise up against the jelly-like humans on the ship. That would have been too complicated and perhaps too horrifying and was scrapped. In 2003, Stanton directed Finding Nemo, which allowed him to see how far underwater effects had come. This made him confident enough to pursue Wally again as it is set in space and the effects would be on similar levels. Pixar animators 
studied Chernobyl as a model for the abandoned Earth and the blueprints from NASA's space stations like Tomorrowland for the ship. A combination of movie references and real-life ideas litters the aesthetic of WALL-E. In the end, WALL-E is filled with homages to 2001 A Space Odyssey, which sets it up perfectly for this slot in Movie Night Automata. <clears throat> The auto unit, which is the film's villain in the end, is directly modeled on 2001's HAL 9000. Jeff Garland plays the human captain turned into an amorphous blob like all humans after being told they'd never have to walk again in space, letting gravity take its toll on their bones while they sat back and sipped by and large beverages, lulled into a lazy, comfortable complacency as they essentially live out their existence on a cruise. A price they gladly accepted for the Earth's degradation and a seat on a luxury ship. Is what we sell. That's why everyone loves BNL. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, Artist for Gives Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. <laughs> Tina Oaks. This Barbie is streaming on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. Ross Hurt is a dad, musician, and podcaster, co-host of the Rigs of Dad podcast with Ian Miller, an owner of one of the top five Instagram accounts I follow, and a tone thrower in Barrier Waves and Cogents. I, of course, am Flacco, your host, Forrest Miller, and a frequent by and large customer, the last robot in the trash pile. For tonight's episode, the part of Jay Andrew will be played by Godzilla in a surprising cameo. <laughs> I think Godzilla will uh, keep us more on topic than Andy would have. <laughs> yeah. Ross, welcome back. It's been a while, man. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me back. I'm, <clears throat> I'm, uh, very stoked to talk about this one. I watched it again last night. This was like kind of an annual watch for me. And then it's been, I realized like probably three years since I last watched it and very different watching it uh, this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now that we're a little further along the way. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad the cockroach didn't die in it because then we would have been two for two on, uh, on movies where like the, the, you know, the main character's pet just kind of gets killed off. And <laughs> Yeah. I I had forgot 
I don't know how, but I had forgotten about all the 2001 references too. And I'm like, oh shit, that's the next one we're doing. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, there like, you go. Like, I, like that. And I had also forgotten that, uh, well, the, I mean, obviously the, the Hal homage with the, the robot that's a steering wheel, but it's like, oh yeah, he's a steering wheel. That's his whole deal. <laughs> like, and like he has to turn him on. Like, for what I remember most about this movie, which I saw in a the theater, because this is back when, uh, so being from the Bay Area, Pixar is like, basically the town of Emeryville is Pixar. <laughs> and more or less. And it was a big deal even before it was a big deal to the rest of the world. But I remember when this came out, people were like, oh, you got to see Wally. It's great. I'm like, really? This is this children's movie? <laughs> and I went to the theater. I was like, holy crap. So the thing I remember most is the beginning, like those first 30 minutes, which mm. are other than like sound effects, like mostly silent, like in like kind of like a complete uh, Chaplin, Buster Keaton style 1920s sort of homage. Yeah, they actually, to, to uh, actually, fun fact, they studied all that because they wanted to explore it. pure visual storytelling. So they were like, yeah, we watched a lot of Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin films to kind of get that that essence so they there. Actually, they actually called it uh, a love story between Buster Keaton and Sigourney Weaver. That was like the... <laughs> 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 and who wouldn't want to see that of course uh <laughs> but that's great because they totally nailed it and, and yeah. but but the, i've forgotten like how much of the back half i had just basically forgotten about this how like and what great characters are like like the robot the cleaning robot for instance who's just like fantastic every every moment he's on screen is just like absolute gold i love yeah. the uh wow 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's like it's like one of the more coherent phrases you hear in the first uh like you know 35 minutes of it is just that yeah. one robot that's like oh, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. do you no. guys do you guys know what wally stands for and what eve stands for no eve waste, is like, like electronic waste, uh, uh, allocation yeah yeah waste allocation load lifter earth class eve oh. stands for extraterrestrial vegetation evaluator oh by the way eva in last episode, right? In, in uh, Ex Machina. So, yeah. Eva and Eve. So, there we go. Well, yes. I, I feel like there's a lot of, like, a, a line that goes through all of these movies, right? Like, there's a lot of, like, the biblical yeah, sure. kind of references to, like, robots as, like, the next class of human beings. But it's kind of, it's crazy to see it in a, in a like, a Pixar movie. The thing I can't believe so, I forgot is Fred Willard being in this. Because, like, one of my yeah. favorite dudes. And it was like, oh, my God, he's so great in here. I totally forgot about that. But anyway, Ross, yeah, please, go ahead. Oh yeah, well, on that like it's it's weird. That's kind of the thing that like really didn't work on me this time was uh Fred Willard, I love but like him him as, a just dude, as a person. As a yeah, just as a person where like all the other people are just, you know, so smooth, rounded, like loss of I understand they're in space and that's why they look the way they do, but uh everyone has the same nose, you know, like there's right. no identifying features. So it's kind of weird to have an actual real person. I think this is the only Pixar movie that does that. Um, yeah. Well, so that you see behind weird. him. You see behind him as like the the you know the list of captains. It starts off with like a a person. It's almost like the yep. uh, the evolution of man. It <laughs> yeah, starts it's a off devolution. With a and they get they get yeah, yeah they get more and more uh, cartoonish. I mean I don't know. I'm not saying that that necessarily works. I'm just saying like I I get what they were going for. Well, yeah. especially because they're in their little like comfy little hover chairs and they got their yeah. infotainment and whatnot. But I think that that's I think it wouldn't work if it wasn't Fred Willard because Fred Willard's just like mm. like even if they had a cartoon of Fred Willard being Fred. And I think the idea is like that happened like a long time ago, like those recordings from like 700 years ago or something. Right. Like it's not yeah. that it's like happened right then. That's not like it's all like pre-recorded yeah. so, stuff. 
my my question was going to be <clears throat> coming off of Ex Machina and sort of the ambiguity that comes <clears throat> with that movie and then going into this one is Wally or I guess like you know for composite purposes is is this the first movie that was like artificial intelligence was the protagonist for you guys or mm. do you consider a machina uh you know, maybe she is uh the victim here or what's going on yeah it kind of depends on your point of view i suppose to <laughs> that but the, mm-hmm. the explicit protagonist i think probably i mean well also goes back go back to blade runner i guess it depends on your on your uh, theory on whether Deckard is a replicant or not. Right, right. I mean, I guess you could, like, after Yang, uh, he's kind of the protagonist, but he's dead. But, like... But he spends most of the time being dead in the movie, you're right. Yeah. Dead, 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 So, like, I think think, uh, it's interesting how technology is used in in all these cases. Like, it's not necessarily, like, a a protagonist-antagonist kind of thing. But this is, like, um, I mean, this is, number one, it's the first movie where it's not humanoid uh like like humanoid type robots right like they're not giving us artificial intelligence that looks like human intelligence they're giving us artificial intelligence that it's own that it's it's its own thing and this is the first movie it feels like that the artificial intelligence is less of a of a factor than kind of it just is right like um like the humans are kind of living their own lives like the, the humans haven't been impacted really by the existence of artificial intelligence it, like besides the fact that they're all you know like they bring them their drinks and all that stuff which yeah. the robots yeah, the, are pretty the, nice about. They're not <laughs> threatened by the existence of humans at all. Is yeah, what right, what right, like right. I've yeah. seen, which is usually a common theme that AI tends to feel threatened by the existence of humans. And I get like I guess if there was uh, antagonist beyond just like you know gross capitalism, uh, you know hellscape that the movie takes place in, like the captain Otto. It's like kind of, but but when I was watching, I was like, "That's not even AI. That's yeah, just straight up." Oh no! Like the humans programmed me only to think this. I can't. Yeah, yeah. Which is the same thing as I mean, how nine thousand and two thousand one is the same. Like when you actually realize, like you know, the directive was programmed into him. There's no actual villainous intent. He's just following a directive too. Um, I, I right. think that this kind of lets me talk about the fact that uh, the original script or one of the original script ideas actually had the robots pitted against the humans and the humans being the villains. They were this, these mm. evil gelatinous gel creatures. Um, they were workshopping <laughs> the idea of having the robots rise up like Spartacus. And they were actually going to see themselves as like enslaved beings to this class of evil jelly-like humans. And they would have to destroy the humans to get back to Earth. But then I think the idea was scrapped because that's horrifying for like, you know, if you look at like, if you look at like, you know, seven, we're making a kids movie here, people. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Listen, kid, nobody wants Spartacus. They're looking for cute robots in love doing song and dance numbers. Big Buster Keaton. <laughs> That's right. We're talking about the classics here. No one wants to see Spartacus. All right. That's Uncle Alligator. He comes in once in a while, Ross. <laughs> once in a while? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's getting to the point where it's... <laughs> he's, he's like the fifth co-host. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> he's but our industry yeah, so, insider. Thank you. So yeah. the the, uh, the the original, like, one of the original pitches, I think they did, because it took 15 minutes, or 15, well, 15 minutes, 15 years to get this film uh, made in a way that they felt comfortable making it. 
So like all these. That's ideas a totally different movie. That initial pitch that was like that's a completely like the vibe. Everything about it is like a different movie. And what makes this movie, I think, so fascinating is like when it came out. Which again, it, it's. I feel like that's muted. And I guess Ross, you've seen it a lot more than I have. But like, I it was kind of almost like oh wow, like it's crazy. This is like a big animated movie. It's got this like you know very powerful message. Like it wasn't like an inconvenient truth, like the Al Gore movie, which I saw in the theater. Me and one other person. Uh, it was yeah. huge, and and yeah, I think it, the message the message with Inconvenient Truth is very straightforward. However, you know, like a lot of kind of when you try and say too much, and like right. it could feel convoluted, even though that's not the intention, and that is not how it's delivered to most people. But I think with Wally, it it, it definitely was distill it, distill it, distill it, distill it, distill it make it as simple as possible just let's make this kind of a very basic love story at the end of the world and it works i, I mean that's I, within I the framework of it. these larger ideas sure yeah <laughs> like it's and, uh, and the thing about this movie is that i'm turning into a gel creature sorry <laughs> it's it's tied with beauty and the beast being like the only like animated disney film to be nominated for like six academy awards like that's a pretty big deal yeah it was huge and and it's weird to think about because like things have like 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 the idea that okay the company's Amazon, right? Like we can all agree that the company's basically Amazon. But yeah. back then it was like, oh, that's so daring. They're basically like calling out like uh, Amazon. It seems oh. like it started as like Seven Eleven and turned into Amazon. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it's but but, like, the, but way more way more big box like brick and mortar location. Yeah. It like was a little bit Walmart. Best Walmart. Buy and Walmart. Yeah. Best yeah. Buy. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's and it's so funny because like that was that was like that was bold at the time especially for a, a company that had recently been acquired by disney to be explicitly clear of like yeah that was crazy bold and, and in a way that like there's other movies that have done it certainly and i absolutely i love idiocracy it's great but idiocracy was not a hit it was not a worldwide family hit <laughs> yeah you know? well and, and i think another interesting thing is that like fred willard's character right is the isn't the president he's the ceo of by and large right like somehow the, the corporation by and large has taken over like a one world government within this right because people are just like wow it's so easy that i could just get stuff at the store that like we should make this guy like the president and, and that's like a visual gag you have to kind of figure it out no one like people don't like you know knock you over the head with an explainer about it like it's and that's one of the yeah. things that works so well about that Mm -hmm. I, I, well, I, the, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. I forgot about that too. Again, of all the stuff I forgot about this movie, which is numerous. Thank you. Well, the weird thing that like, again, like watch watching it regularly and then taking a break from it. The last time I watched it was when we moved into our house and I set up our surround sound system. The, uh, <laughs> the dance scene with the fire extinguisher. If yeah. you're ever saying up surround sound, that is the best scene to to watch while you're trying to figure out surround sound because it goes behind you and everything in the source. Um, but the uh, the thing that like kind of struck me now is when I think of a character that would be like the Fred Willard character, you'd think of someone more predominant, like in front of the camera, like Musk or yeah. like sure. Trump or something like that. And that yeah. is all media. Like when I think of Musk, it's feminist with Twitter now, as opposed to Tesla. Uh, like, so the, the, it's just fascinating. There's no mention of any social media stuff, and I can't remember if when this came out, if it was still like my 2009, or, yeah. I think. 
So that was like more Facebook. Facebook was around, but it wasn't dominant yet. I think MySpace was even still around, if I remember right. MySpace was slowly dwindling, and then Facebook was slowly like getting up there. I remember. I mean, LiveJournal was still viable, you know, as Bonnie and I often lament. Yeah. (laughs) But it it does seem like the the only communication that the humans have with each other uh on the ship is through is mediated through like yeah. uh, a social screens. like an almost well, uh, Tinder kind of kind of like the one lady's like bitching about holidaying she's like you just can't meet anybody on these holidaying apps it's like isn't everyone on the same the same you're ship? on the same but, sh- you're you know. literally like floating <laughs> next to each other in like a little like a yeah. flying yeah, car traffic lane lady. which is which but it's <laughs> i think you're right that that's actually pretty prescient right uh, because we we have a that's again people living life through screens uh that's much more of a modern construct, and especially through the pandemic. But yeah. I, I think that aged great. That aged super well. And I think that, that oh yeah, that, everything that's... getting delivered right to you as opposed to going to brick and mortar stores in particular. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and the, the ship is even owned by uh, the you know by the actual like corporation. And the Axiom is obviously like I didn't think about this while I was watching the things, but Axiom is obviously like just something that's taken for granted. Like, uh, you know, it's like a statement that's taken for granted. And like, so the, the everything is taken for granted on the ship. Like, I, I think that that's kind of a bold stroke to not make the humans explicitly evil or explicitly villainous or explicitly, you know, they don't have bad intentions. They're just clueless to the point where uh, they can't see any, like, even even falling off of the fucking chair when he hits Wally, like that John guy or whatever is like just deeply shocked that anyone's even there in the first place. And it's like human beings yeah. have like almost had their, had their like uh, what limited intelligence they have transported onto these screens essentially because you know I, I think that like my my prediction of what happened to the human race after the axiom lands is that within like a year they're all wiped out they can't like the human beings cannot take care of themselves in this movie like they're yeah. they're either going back to the axiom into space and going like all right we give up or they're getting wiped out when they realize that like it's hard to fucking farm and none of these like they've spent 700 years not doing anything tough they don't even know that there's a fucking pool and a jogging track on the ship Nobody's working out. They're all just like sitting in these chairs. I don't think that they're surviving like gravity, even. So you don't think it's a very happy ending because of that, huh? Well, I mean, I think that it's a happy ending in the moment, but it's like almost like uh, one of those like foundational myths that people have for yeah. the human race. You know what I mean? Like, like this is this is going to be a robotic, uh, a robot fueled fucking world after this. Like the robots are gonna, yeah, no, yeah, they're gonna together. be the ones yeah. doing the farming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's like, there's like a glimpse of hope with like Jeff Garland's character as the captain being like, oh, like show me more. I, I think I'm here because on Wikipedia rabbit holes where it's just like, oh, I want to learn more about this. I want to learn more about this. But like right. actually implementing that shit and and like people coming together yeah. and like yeah not happening no, that's not, a whole nother movie it's like a comedy of errors basically yeah. you know like and, idiocracy and, and yeah i give is, him i give yeah. him like five years before he strokes out too you know what i mean like his, his burst of energy where he's like i'm gonna do all this stuff like that guy is that guy is having a stroke within five years of being on that planet like yeah <laughs> ross do you remember that they actually made a by and large website uh around this time that's and they cool had, i'm yeah, like uh, uh, what, what, I forget when it came out, but Cloverfield was like pretty good with like some of the viral marketing right, shit. Right. Like uh, back when you could get away with that on websites. Now everyone sees Blair Witch it. Project. That's a, that was another oh. big one. But apparently, Foundation. yeah, it it started off as like they were like a maker of frozen yogurt, and then it was it was acquired by Large Industries, a men's suits company, <laughs> and then they gradually started getting into aerospace and consumer goods and engineering, electronics and energy, and so on and so on, and then 
they, they just continue the effort and like bought up everyone. And then that's when uh, Shelby forthright came into it. And that's, that that's it but like they had like a whole like history of the company that was on there that now it of course just redirects to the disney website because nobody looks at websites but you know it was that does, it was, that it does was sound like amazon yeah it, it, that's why i'm saying that's why i said yeah. amazon because it's like oh yeah it like, is literally like like jeff bezos <laughs> being like i could i could use these trucks to send to give people books and then next right. thing you know it's like or i could just dominate the world yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then i could fly to space and that'll be great yeah, uh, yeah okay he- did oh, we um, ever figure? Okay, so one of the things that's repeated in the movie is, is the movie Hello Dolly, which really was not a big success right. when it first came out because the studio system had collapsed. People were wanting more raunchy adult uh, films and not like family friendly films. Did we figure out why you know that movie was referenced a lot in this movie? Hey, I got a clip. Public domain. <laughs> not probably. too. It probably, it probably isn't, but I have, I have a, I have a it, clip. It is, it is public about. domain. Yeah, I, I imagine it's just because it's public domain, but. Yeah. Uh, let's find out together. Hello, <laughs> uh, Dolly. Yeah. But you don't use Barbara Streisand or Walter Matthau, and you don't use even... Well, I'll be honest. I felt that before I even executed it and an idea in my head, I worried that if you suddenly heard star voices that you knew, right. it would throw you. Hmm. And it wouldn't be, in a weird way, Wally's movie that mm-hmm. he's watching. Um and then it just worked out logically. It just worked out that like the sections I needed didn't require me to get into the bit, the star billing of the movie. Were you a Hello Dolly fan? Or is that not that- directly. I mean, what happens is that um, my mom was really into musical theater. She was uh, sort of a uh, community theater actress. And so I had every musical playing in the house. And then invariably I did theater in high school and, and I was in Hello Dolly and Fiddler and Roof and all these other, you know, so i knew of all that stuff Mm -hmm. and um i loved the notion that wally loved romantic music oh you know and so i started out with just you know classical 30s and 40s songs Mm because they just sounded antiquated you know Mm -hmm. but it was almost a little too woody allen of a notion and um then i started realizing that you know a lot of standards actually are songs that come from musicals. And so I started just literally going through the repertoire of, mm. of all these musicals that are well, really well known. And it was, it was just this knee jerk visceral response when I heard the phrase out there mm-hmm. at the beginning of put on your Sunday mm-hmm. clothes. It was really, that's what made me stop reading, reinvestigate that song mm. and sort of keep it a private idea for a long time because I was really embarrassed about it. I thought well, it's so romantic. I mean, it's so like, <laughs> You know, (laughs) but it worked for me on so many levels. Once I realized the song itself was about two guys that have never left their small town and just want to go out for one night to the big city and kiss a girl. And I go, Mm -hmm. that's Wally. And then that led me to looking at the movie and it Mm -hmm. led me to remembering the others. Uh, There's so many other songs, but it only takes a moment. And when I saw um, the two lovers hold hands, it was just this light bulb of like, that's how my character can say, I love you when he can't say that phrase. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, uh, I, w- I, I, was, I was just a dog with a bone. I had to have the rights to those two songs. Or, or else. Happy to do it? Or? Um, we, Luck, you know, Lady Luck was really on our side. Our CFO at the time was a, uh, had been the CFO of Fox. So he knew who to call uh, so that we could jump past all the unnecessary litigiousness. And, uh, and we're able to make a very fair deal. 
And when you told the boys <clears throat> or the guys, I don't know how many women work at Pixar even. You never see women. You don't see a lot of women's names in the Pixar movies, actually. There's a lot. It's just that um, it's, and I've seen this slowly change much at a much slower rate than anybody would like, but at least it's finally changing of more and more women in the key creative roles, yeah. you know, starting to, to come into the workforce. So I love, <laughs> I love how he's like, we didn't want the, them to listen to Barbara Streisand or Warwick DeMatteau. We wanted them to listen to the Phantom of the Opera. Because <laughs> that's Michael, Michael Crocker played the Phantom of the Opera 20 years later. And he, because he was always known for being like, doing like slapstick comedy stuff. He was never considered serious. So like, I thought it was kind of endearing that they would use those two songs in Wally. I also like that he jumps, uh, the interviewer goes, so why don't a lot of women work here, Pixar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seems yeah. like it's a bit of a sausage factory, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 2009, people give it a rest. Uh, our, our day will come. Yeah. <laughs> and well, well, no, no, it's too bad it couldn't be like Mary Poppins or something, right? Because at least yeah. Disney would have those rights. You had to go to Fox. But yeah, but also... I, I feel like with uh, with Mary Poppins, um, it's just Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke like spring right to mind, right? Like there's not really any songs. It, 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 it's yeah. right. Yeah. And I like, yeah. and I think that makes sense with the idea that it isn't this big star power affair, but it's something where you get the idea that, okay, so this is a robot that literally his entire identity is built on like going through the trash and like and finding not these, having feelings and finding these little treasures and things that mean something to him. So of course, like what, what you're going to find isn't necessarily going to be like, you know, the most uh, uh, popular mainstream thing in the world. And what you fixate on with no frame of reference wouldn't necessarily be like the thing that a film viewer would fixate on, too. Although I it like does keep playing on the, the audio speakers on the ship over and over and over again. It's their Yo, version maybe of uh, the, the original iPod, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh! Yeah! Yeah, 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 yeah. Because remember, iPods were new, too, at the, at the, yeah. at the time, too. Like... Mm -hmm very new like like new in the way that like people were like well I, is this gonna is this gonna be indestructible they were great mm -hmm. no i i it took uh my ex-bandmate mouse literally spilling a beer on on mine on stage for it to finally die and i'm well, like I, I, had, I had the classic the, the really big one yeah yeah i'm talking about the one with the with all, wheel. that had, had so much space left and it just died on me and i was like no back Bring when back. the musicians got paid for uh, <laughs> yeah, that? that was nice, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> I sure I, uh, the, when Especially around Christmas the, time. Thank you. I had the iPod shuffle, like the 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 one. The shuffle, like the little the like little a, one. Yeah, where yeah, it, it, it didn't have the screen. Like a Wally, a Wally character, like in a way, like because it, it was, was basically a USB great. drive. Yeah, with, yeah. with a control set, you know, and, and but they were cheap, and and yeah. I had one of those too. I had both of them. Yeah. And I, didn't know how good I had it. Anyway, <laughs> we never did know. I, but like when, but that hammers home like what I was talking about earlier on too about it just being like the beginning of this movie, just being so, so much story being told visually, mm -hmm. and, and with animation that, again, it's easy to look back on like modern animation movies and just kind of think that's the way it always was. This was really creative stuff. Mm -hmm. at the time and it's crazy that it was like because the the pixar lamp it was like oh it started off as idea like if we make a movie about the pixar lamp that sounds terrible by the way i don't want to see that yeah. but then again i mean uh, say the same about toy story i guess but well one of, i mean <laughs> some of the first uh movies they made for pixar were like shorts about the lamp like they would they would like you know yeah they had like those little, little but like the idea was <laughs> it wasn't like 
Hey kid, we need a whole movie about this lamp. People aren't people aren't gonna believe it. It's gonna be a one for the ages, a sweeping epic. No, no. Well, I mean, it, it's a fascinating kind of uh, branding exercise in the sense of like you know you look back at like the old Steamboat Willie, uh, you know, like Mickey Mouse cartoon, which is public domain now. Yeah, that's mm. like this year. But uh, you look at you Lawrence look at, like, of Lamprabia. But it's just like it's like giving it's like giving a backstory <laughs> to a to a mascot. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, he really that, doesn't like the letter I. <laughs> it's just, but it's it's. I think that it's it's notable that this, these are really. I I I'm trying to find another way to say the word fleshed out because they are not fleshed out characters because they have no flesh. But they're very well rounded characters that you get a sense of empathy for and, and get a sense of st emotional stakes to that are just these like like cute little robots you know one of them's well, dirty yeah, one of them's clean I mean, <laughs> yeah i mean so much of that is like you the isolation is apparent like within the first seconds right. of the film the, and the longing of like is apparent almost immediately and it's it's kind of more just like can he thaw out the heart of Evie even though you know she's not frozen or anything like that but it, you know <clears throat> it's it's can you turn can you you've been longing for it so much can your warm personality finally connect with another uh, being in that uh, kind of terrifying but, being. Yeah. like within seconds she's uh, you know shooting everything oh, blasting like, everything yeah. <laughs> He like oh, my, yeah. my my guy my guy Wally gets down bad like of a you know a woman sticking a gun to his face pretty much. I mean, persistent. Uh, the uh, but I mean like there's also like man like you said it with animation though like very few mediums really do it as well as like animated films like uh, there's that uh, I don't know if any of you guys have kids or like watch Bluey. There's a couple Bluey episodes that are almost silent like silence and those are the episodes where there's practically no dialogue and you just you know, so much of it is the orchestration the music that kind of comes with it and stuff like that but right. shit hits like it's it, it's it's heavy and uh <laughs> trying to trying to think of what uh there's another animated um oh bojack horseman did the underwater oh, sure. episode yeah. oh yeah also, yeah that was fucking great about that well, and I think that we're we're more conditioned to have mainstream the ideas of adult animation. I mean, look at Adult Swim, right? I mean, uh, there, and there's so many things you can say about whether it's good or bad, but culturally that has had an impact, and and it's something that is much more of a mainstream idea now than it even was then. Which doesn't say there always wasn't cartoons for adults. Don't get me wrong, but for every ones that there were there was also ones that you know very much like okay this is kid stuff right and it's and it's and the idea being if it's kid stuff it needs to be just sort of nonsense or purposely ephemeral or, or whatever along those lines uh but i mean i guess you can go all the way back to you know looney tunes and stuff that there's some pretty you know risque adult stuff that they were sneaking in on there uh yeah. as well is but i'm talking about from a mainstream yes. perspective sure yeah is there output is there output that you guys know before pixar that like kind of dance that fine line of kids will love it, but adults will love it as well. Like, cause I mean, you know, the Ralph Bakshi stuff is like, up. it hits I mean, way I different. Stick with the Animaniacs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah. probably Christine. That's probably the best example, right? Because it's sort of like, it's just 
risque enough, you know, like I can sneak in some <laughs> more off color like, references. Like what kid show mentions like making fun of like Rush Limbaugh? Like I remember that was something one of the episodes back in the nineties. I was like, wait, what? The show this is the show reference Rush Limbaugh? Right. What? Well I, like, I would say I would say um I, I would say because of like Animaniacs too, like Looney Tunes, the original ones, uh would have things I think that you know, uh, adults would, yeah. would kind of get from that. And also, Drag. I mean, like, yeah, I mentioned the, Looney Tunes. Yeah, so the Flintstones, the Flintstones also. So, like, you know, like the Hanna yeah. Barbera stuff, like uh, the Flintstones as, like, a, a you know, basically like a, a kid's version of like a Jackie Mason show. Remember, remember, hmm. uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Fred Flintstone, yeah. French Connection, yeah, yeah. remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey Ross, it's like the French Connection, but it's Fred Flintstone, and he has like the feet going when then in the in the car yeah. and everything. Every time, every time there's a car chase, Whoa. he has to put his feet down onto the ground and go. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it like the plinkety plinkety like piano noises. I mean, there's there's certainly stuff like uh, well, God, it's been like redacted from from history, but uh, um, uh, ants. Right, that that was yeah. a thing. DreamWorks. Well, well, that, well here's it. Well, Pixar was, or was that DreamWorks? No, that was DreamWorks, and it also starred boop, 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 Woody Allen. Yeah, yeah. that guy. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they, that, they that came out like the put, same year as a Bug's Life. Or yeah, was, they put that and Bug's Life out, and they were they were dueling each other at the same time, and it was like yep. DreamWorks was like the big company that was trying to gun for what Pixar was doing. Yep. So it was like you guys are. I still remember that even as like a kid, like being like, oh my god, you guys are doing the exact same thing and trying to like duke it out this way like <laughs> but then they just shrek so everything worked out i think <laughs> but i think that pixar pixar was like top of the game for like just like it was like About gonna be cool. innovative and innovation not just in technology or animation but in storytelling also like doing the kind of stuff that like remember when up came out you know yeah. and it was like oh my god this is devastating like and this is like the yeah. first 10 minutes jesus h christ you know what's the rest <laughs> of this movie gonna be like <laughs> And and that just wasn't that kind of storytelling. Why are you gonna be crying the first ten minutes of a movie, Pixar? <laughs> Hell, <laughs> and that kind of stuff just wasn't it wasn't as popular as it is now. Now I think that like you have thing and you have things that, that, that they can do it with an intellectual property. The Spider Verse movies are a great example of this, right? Where it's like, you know, this is like really fascinating storytelling, like incredibly like uh, art forward. Uh, mediums and, and stuff like that but i feel like that's uh, th this movie is one of the ones that kind of kicked the door in for that kind of yeah. stuff a little bit and yeah uh, and pixar in general i mean like uh the you know the incredibles were was pretty great as well because and that was a time where there wasn't like a million <laughs> superhero movies every five seconds i mean too. i i kind of i find it uh kind of fascinating also that finding nemo right which is, i think isn't yeah, sure. like their strongest necessarily of uh of the the early pixars right but I, it's interesting that, that the uh well i mean we just talked about it with uh, albert brooks is is yeah, marlon in that movie. yeah that's but right. um but uh i i kind of find it fascinating like uh the fact that they could do as much as they could underwater which is something kind of unheard of at the time for like an animated movie right. like this made them realize that for wally they could do space and it's like it's it's kind of similar effects nice. it's the weightlessness of the you know of of a lot of the stuff it's the gravity it's like um trying to put that all together like for them to finally pull the trigger on uh, on Wally after having the idea in like 1995 uh, to finally pull the trigger on it in 2000. I mean, I'd say 2006 or 2007 right. uh, comes from like you know, Finding Nemo, which is a very different movie that I don't think was 
pushing the genre forward necessarily. No, it's cute. I mean, it's it's yeah. a, it's a good enough movie. It's cute. It's it's just yeah. It's not. I wouldn't put it in the same category personally. By the way, one thing I will say about Wally too: it's a discredit. No sound in space. But that's not just this movie. That's like almost all space movies. It's just yeah. It's, hey, it's, we could have had Andy talk about that at length. For, I yeah uh, yeah. It's in a Europa report. Is that the one that got it right? Europa <laughs> I think, report. I think so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bowser Galactica actually too. They, uh, hmm. the, the Ronald E. Moore, Battlestar Galactica. They... Something he would have talked about, too. <laughs> I'm channeling him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's sitting at home right now, and he's, he's like, uh, he's upstairs, and he's just trying to get you to, like. He's got the Cerebro helmet on. Like, he's trying to take uh, me over. Yeah. <laughs> mention it. Um, I mean, I, I but think. But that said, it's such a, it's such a great usage of of those scenes right like you know like the, the yeah. dancing around in space and stuff like it's like all right you can be, oh, oh, actually uh there's no sound in space okay fine fine sure thing comic book guy we get it like but it, <laughs> it makes for these really gorgeous scenes that are that are again between these two like robots also like there's things like all right so is wally hermetically sealed because that plant should be like totally like vacuumed <laughs> Yeah. Well, but 2000, 2001 is a, an example of of a, of a movie that really shows you, like, uh, you know, for that second he's in space that he has to go in without the fucking helmet. That's yeah. like that super terrifying moment where he's like, all right, the only way that I'm going to survive this is to, like, you know, kick in the fucking uh, the door if I have, like, that right. scene, I think, is, is a great representation of, like, the, the silent, uh, the silent moment of terror in space. And, um, and there's been other examples of that as well. But I, again, I, I think that that's considering that you're centering these characters which by the way and and i get you know sigourney weaver being in this jeff garland uh being in it even uh ratzenberger from from cheers is, is in here like but it's he's not, in every pixar movie he, yeah, he's in a lot of them that's, oh that's right yeah he's, he's in a couple yeah he's in but, everyone i think the guy, he's got dirt on someone at pixar i don't know what it is <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's in every he was pixar in cars movie. he was in a bug's life he was in he was in all of them well but what i'm i guess what i'm driving as in modern animated features there's so much of a push to like okay let's get name actors and actresses and i'm not saying that those are are obscure uh actors and actresses at all i i i yeah. not saying that at all but but everything it's got to be like okay we got timothy show oh shit role. he's Start- in 22 pixar films that's crazy got, like ross saying he's got dirt on someone uh but but what, what what i'm driving at the point i'm making is that it isn't just like here's like the cast of all the hot actors and actresses to like you know get people interested in the movie at all in fact chris pratt <laughs> Chris Pratt is Mario. Who could forget him in a role? In a role and you Garfield. And Garf- is he Garfield too? Yeah, I know he's, he's um. He's just doing his regular voice too. Is Buzz Lightyear too? Right. That's a, the. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, Chris Evans. I can't keep yeah. track of these Chris's. There's too many of them. They're gonna they're gonna remake. They're gonna remake Wally, but have uh, but have Chris Pratt play fucking uh, Wally and just do it in his regular voice. Eva, Eva. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, what I appreciate that like this movie doesn't do any of those things. There isn't like they, an all star like celebrity st- uh, star cast. They hired know? people who like just worked at. Pixar they hired people that just worked at Pixar. That's what I was attempting to get to. Yeah, like like yeah. Lisa like Lisa Knight who does Eve. Like she was just of. She worked at Pixar, and they're like, "Hey, do you want to do this?" She was the woman and, that and worked at Pixar. She was no the women. woman. There's yeah, no, they're gonna say there's no women at Pixar. She's a well, we have one woman. <laughs> we have. At least oh, one man. woman. Bring the woman in here. <laughs> Bring hey, woman. You know the one. <laughs> Bring so that broad in here. I think she's gone home. Put her on the picture. I think she's gone home for the day. Find her. Bring, Bring her, her back. <laughs> Tell her to put her sewing down and get on the voice booth. 
All right, so I I grabbed. Uh, I want to oh, hear. How dare you? I want to hear you know both both Conan and Ross's thoughts on some of this stuff because it's. Uh, I grabbed so, like a whole thing on the the sound design. Uh, that oh they hell did yeah! Hell and yeah. I have I have I have two two clips of it, but I'll play the first one first. Cool. It's um they went to like a legendary sound design because that that is kind of the most important part of this movie, right? Like if they had found sounds that didn't work, none of the rest of this movie would have worked. Wally is the sexiest robot ever. Ever. <laughs> that, that, that's one of my mods. <laughs> I'm gonna. All right. You know. Hey, whatever. Whatever gets you going. That's all I gotta say. I guess I would have Blade Runner twenty forty nine was a hologram. So. <laughs> oh yeah, Joy. Yeah, Anna Darmus. Yeah. yeah. I would have said, uh, you know, Ava from fucking, um, you know, from Ex Machina is, is a pretty, is a pretty sexy as robots go. All the robots in that movie are sexy, but Wally, you know, if he can. Hey, like, like, like they say, like sometimes it's all about the personality that makes it sexy, right? <laughs> Every sound designer is asked to create some sort of a world in sound, and it's most inspiring when the whole movie essentially requires an original new world of sound. <laughs> the background sounds, the ambiences, the wind, the storms, the hum inside a spaceship, as well as the mechanical sounds of motors and robot arms and legs and treads. The big thing that's unique about sound design and animation um, is the fact that you get nothing for free. You don't get on a set and hear the way the environment sounds naturally or the way somebody walks across a room or just their voice. Wally. But in this case, because there isn't dialogue that often, it puts all this emphasis on every little squeak, beep, squawk. Now they all have to mean something. Or you have to be careful that if you use them, people will think they mean something. The sound that Eve and Wally made, that was their character. That was how people were going to connect to them. So you have to be in complete control about whether there should be sound and what sounds they are and how many they are and when they happen. You learn that the most important thing that you can do as a sound designer is to make the right choice for the right sound at the right moment in a film. Ben Burt is an Academy Award-winning sound designer who um, did his very first work on the first Star Wars movies. And in many ways, he's considered the father of modern sound design. They're these you know, iconic sounds that everybody knows. And you meet Ben, and it's like meeting your seventh grade science teacher. He is your seventh grade science teacher. He is the guy that you're like, oh, can you explain to me how gravity works? And he will sit down and explain it to you in a way that you completely understand it using sound effects. I wanted to create a sound for Eve's laser gun in her arm. And I discovered uh, years ago that if you strike a slinky-like spring with any object, you don't just get a clunk on the pickup mic or a ping. You get a pew. That happens because... The high frequencies travel faster than the low frequencies. So if you listen to the sound far away down the wire, 
the high frequencies get there first and then the sort of mid frequencies and the low frequencies. So you get, it's a laser gun. Most of my experience in creating sound has been in an era when you could go outside with a small portable tape recorder and gather sounds in the real world. But I've always been fascinated that by was. the roots of sound design for movies, which really goes back to the days when devices were built to create all kinds of sounds. Disney had an artist with them for many, many years named Jimmy McDonald. And over the years, he and his team built hundreds of props, which were used to create sounds in the Disney cartoons. The Disney style was to use musical sounds for sound effects. If a character impacts on the wall, that hit on the wall will probably be a cymbal crash or maybe it's a funny timpani drum being struck. If somebody zipped across the frame, you might hear a whistle or a flute. And it worked well because those kinds of musical sounds could be controlled in the studio. Recording equipment in the earliest days was very bulky. You couldn't take it outside and go on location to record a train. And so the artists at Disney would simulate the sound right there in the studio. These gadgets could be played as if they were musical instruments and the timing of the sounds could be tailored to exactly match the picture. I love that kind of stuff. It's great. It, it also seems like yeah. it would be kind of the coolest job ever, too. I'm just going to go over and I'm going to bang on this telephone pole for a while and like get a cool sound out of it. Sounds great. I, also, I, I love um, I love the fact that there's a uh, there's like a guy that's just like a legend. He's like, I'm the blaster guy. I came up with the idea of right. the sound that everyone knows from the blasters. Also, um, quick thing, uh, Ali. Our, our friend in the stream, Allie the Fern, my little sister, just rated mm -hmm. me. Thank you so much. Oh, hey, Allie. Thanks. Appreciate it. We got to get her back on. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she's, she actually has started a Letterboxd account since being uh, on this show. So that's awesome. No, she had, I think she had one because I remember I was like, oh, she's on Letterboxd. And then she made fun of me for using that as part of her intro when we had her on for two months. <laughs> I don't remember any of that stuff. Anyway, uh, they yeah, apparently, so Ben Burt, um, Great name, by the way. Yeah. Made over two thousand four hundred sound files for Wally, and <sighs> apparently, A New Hope only had eight hundred, <laughs> which is kind of amazing if you stop and think of. But Dude. there is, but you gotta be if you're working in a situation where there's no dialogue, right? Like you're you're uh, you're in a situation where you're trying to build the character of your titular character's whole identity you got to have like a rich sound skin. You, you got to use the sounds because you're not going to have the dialogue to cover you. And it, I think it really works there again, even like the little, like uh, I think MO uh, it's like his electric shaver <laughs> or something just like, and knowing to like find those things. Awesome. I mean, again, that's, I'm not kidding. I would love to do that. That sounds, that sounds fantastic. What do you think? Ross? Yeah, so oh, uh, uh, this is the second, this is the second one. And after well, Ross, let's hear, yeah, let's hear what Ross got to say. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I'm always fascinated by like Foley videos, 
uh, and like the the foley artists and stuff like that, and how much the the physics of everything is actually involved in all of it. And for a movie like this, you could go like the like teacher kind of route of being like, oh, um, I want to recreate like like Conan, you probably appreciate like like. Tom Morello is like, oh, Rage Against Machine didn't have a DJ, so I was the DJ. So I would just try and make DJ Mm -hmm. sounds with what I had. So the nerdy approach would be, well, a robot does this, but it imitates what it sees and what it loves through these movies, through what it finds and everything throughout the trash. So how do we recreate these emotional responses through the gears, through the machinations of whatever is built in Wally? They didn't do that because that would probably be really fucking boring and that would feel like an art <laughs> student movie, you know, yeah. like that, that wouldn't work and translate well. So to have like a, a guy that comes from this background of, you know, the, knowing, you know, one, the physics of stuff, but also just to, as you said, be able to develop a sound bank of 2000 uh, for this movie, which is essentially a silent movie. I, I love it. Like I, I watch all those synthesizer dudes that uh develop their own sounds like like by layering like jurassic park where it's like oh i'm layering a whale with a tiger a bear and like something like that for the t-rex yeah we talked about jurassic park like we watched uh we watched one of the things was like they wanted to uh simulate like stepping on eggs like an egg cracking so one of the things was like they they had boiled eggs that they were just like putting in front of the the microphone like that so i was like yep Um, cool. Well, and then there's, there's real quick. There's like lots of other things too. Like, uh, and by the way, also more sound samples than the entire Indiana Jones original trilogy too. That's another uh, point of fact. Uh, But, but like the sound of the wind. There's only one sound that punching a Nazi makes, and it's the most satisfying sound in the world. (laughs) And it's the Wilhelm scream. (laughs) 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 Well, that's the sound the Nazi makes. The sound of hitting a Nazi is like. Uh, but yeah that's fine we we can move on to the other bit but i I just think it's uh, this is an interesting i think sound design i think you're right i think sound design is absolutely uh, super important when you have something that's just and i hate to say that we're quiet because it's not the beginning of this is quiet but quiet the fact is uncluttered because there's just not there's no dialogue and we're so used to hearing and I could get into the whys and wherefores, but especially like doing stuff like the Criterion Challenge and going through and like uh, watching silent movies and stuff. Like it is amazing what yeah. you can get over without anybody saying anything. And again, I the, love reading stuff. The mm-hmm. uh, you know Harold Lloyd, uh, Charlie Chaplin, like Buster Keaton, they were able to get across like these advanced, profound concepts that still make for good movies now mm-hmm. without saying anything. Do you get? Do you ever watch like uh, any of the? Rescoring of stuff like Nosferatu and everything like that. Godzilla's voice is created the creaking door. That's right, Stevie. That's that's like yeah. a classic example. They put, uh, they put a lot of that stuff on like YouTube. Like there's yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, public domain. Um, well, there's like uh the LA uh, University of LA or something. Um, UCLA they have a a department that just does that. Yeah. Uh, they mm-hmm. rescore yeah. all the old all the old movies. There, and then there are the, so under, many different yeah. family operas out there now. And then there's the, there's like uh, um the Joan of Arc movie 
the the really amazing Joan of Arc movie, the the fellow from Portishead did like a live score to it, and that's and and so you can watch if you watch on Criterion Channel, you can watch it silent, you can watch it with the original orchestra, you can watch it with like the Portishead guy's score, which I and that's Bill like, and Ted's excellent journey, yeah, which he's doing the aerobics class, right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, <laughs> got to record the excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, I'm talking about the 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 Dreyer movie, the 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 cl- one of the considered like classics of that era of cinema. But it, it's I, I like that you have that ability because again, there's something nice to be like, okay, you're basically watching this as as close to as how the people that watch it when this came out watch it. But then there's also like, hey, we have all these technological innovations. Like, what does that sound like? You know, and it sounds pretty cool. It sounds, it's, and it brings something different to it. That's only, anyway, play, play that clip for us. That's fine. We, oh, so this is just the other half. I'm actually bringing up unrelated movies because Andy isn't here. Like, I don't know what's happening. But. <laughs> oh, so this, this, is, uh, this is the other half of the clip of uh, Ben Burt uh, talking about how he did the sounds. Nice. And it's Burt with two T's, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In case anyone wants to look them up. Finishing nails nailed all on strips. And then a couple hands full of Mexican peas. And by rotating it slowly, you'll get the rain sound. Great. Fortunately, this collection has been preserved by Joe Harrington, sound mixer and sound designer at Walt Disney Imagineering. So I had the opportunity to get a fantastic tour. This is a classic piece of gear. Push this clockwise, kind of fast. Okay. That was an old machine gun. <laughs> Drawbridge chains. Pull that in your hand. Pull that back. Okay. Oh yeah, uh, screen door. Yeah. <laughs> now, see, I would have gone out and tried to find a screen door. You're yeah. going to a lot of trouble, driven somewhere, waited till it was quiet. But here it is, right here. Fabulous. It's only been in recent years that I've kind of rediscovered the value of trying to. Um, stage or constructed device that you can control. In the earliest days of live action film and animation, if they needed wind, they would use a wind machine. And you can go fast, and you can go slow, or you can speed up and create a gust of wind. A lot of the wind that we hear in movies has been this artificial wind, which is canvas being scraped against wood. But actually, I discovered by accident another way to get wind. And that particular sound was used in the big toxic waste storm. Another classic device is the thunder sheet. 
It's a piece of sheet metal, and you can get a wonderful low-frequency rumble out of it. The thunder sheet is used a number of places. I think one of the reasons Ben is so good at his job is because he's a true fan of sound design, and he's an avid historian. He's always thinking and always working. He's a total geek about sound. It makes him just that much more knowledgeable about what, what are the options? You know, what has been done and what could be done that hasn't. He's a bit like Mr. Wizard, you know, where you'd stop by his lab and be like, oh, Angus, I'm glad you decided to show up. I'm uh, working on the sound effect for uh, Wally's treads and I'm combining the sound of a chinchilla mating with a wildebeest driving a cement truck. It was something new for us also at Pixar that we had a sound designer in-house on a film before post, you know. It was a little funny at first for me when um, Andrew would start uh, evaluating sounds that I was making. He would show up and five or six other, a group would show up and they'd all sit around and I'd, I'd play one little sound of a door close and click and everybody would think about it. And there'd be a discussion. If it was a softer zip line kind of thing, maybe we could get away with keeping it in there. But I think whatever we end up on the final equation, we should let the, the what his job is win out. We're dealing with sound effects on our initial rough storyboard reels to a level of commentary and critique that I would usually wait for post-production. That's a little too kazooey. You just want a more sort of uh, almost Eve-like, you know, kind of glow. If that squeak sounds kind of sad and you never meant it to sound sad, it'll throw it that way. So you can't ignore it. All this is fantastic. And mm -hmm. the artistry that is there is what everybody who's doing a single person harsh noise set at a house show thinks is what they're doing and they're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I was laughing cuz there's a really old dude uh that was like probably working on Dumbo or something and yeah. like knowing like the kind of racist history of Disney back then and uh everything in the sorts I was just like that dude lost his mind when Police Academy came out and Michael Winslow like <laughs> popped on the scene. <laughs> that, dude, that dude that dude was like I have nothing left in life. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna decimate the entire industry, this guy. <laughs> single single handedly. Um with his mouth. Oh um, <laughs> there's a there's game changer, a, kid. That's what we call Michael Winslow. I was I was thinking about um uh not not true romance modern romance the, the Albert Brooks movie where right. they're they're very different movies movie. yeah he's uh, <laughs> he's freaking out he's freaking out about his uh you know his girlfriend in the in the like cheating on him in the room while they're trying yeah. to come up with the sound for a for a space movie or whatever so he has right, like right. the phone on him or whatever and he's like trying to like can I can I, can I hear that again and they like play yeah. the sound again and the guys are making fun of him I don't know I just thinking about that scene because it's identical to the Andrew Stanton like sitting there listening to the sounds yeah i mean and there's like so many things i didn't get into like the fact that like the the cockroach is like a recording of like handcuffs <laughs> which is like yeah. handcuffs where did where, 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 where is that what you come up with you but that's the why rest these cockroaches yeah <laughs> handcuffs when oh, copaganda yeah. meets cockaganda <laughs> <laughs> i think that 
so it's worth mentioning that I don't think the movie is as strong when they get up into space, but there are great moments of it. Like I think that the the again, what I remembered was basically only the first like quarter to third of the movie. Yeah. Which is crazy. And then eventually I was like, oh yeah, now I remember all this now. But like that's what stuck with me. And it's not that it like doesn't stick the landing like so many modern movies, they all have third act problems where it's like, oh, what are you doing? Uh but I think that it wouldn't it would be a lesser movie it did if it didn't have that first uh quarter, first third to it, that first thirty minutes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I wonder how much of it is um like not having the boldness to stick with doing a, a silent movie, right? Like they have to like introduce human characters. Yeah. Um, for for the you know, the 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 back whatever two thirds of it. Because the first half like the first third of it is very strong and then they get on the ship and it feels almost like they're like, Well, we've gotta introduce like these human characters and show you where the humans are at and like not just do it as like this robot world or whatever like uh because they, they could it, have it would have been fine that. they could have done it. it's like auto right the the yeah. the the, the a, auto auto <laughs> like mm-hmm. the aka the uh the hal 9000 steering wheel if you're of a certain age and ross and i are you two aren't but like you spent hours with the Macintosh, where you're like, make it say something dirty, you know, and you like you 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 like made it say, and it's the it's. Like I know that what Mac you're talking voice. about. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like endless hours of, of like cheap entertainment just to be like, make it make it say this, okay, make it say this now, make it say that, and that's literally what they use for the voice, which I think is so great because it's recognizable in the way that like the the Apple startup sound is when he's done charging, where you're like, oh, that's hilarious. Well, well like <clears throat> there, I mean, there is dialogue, like. Mm-hmm. there's there's fred willard there's like news clips there's you know uh movies yeah. and stuff like that but but those are delivered in the same amount of like the lines of dialogue they deliver are the same that would pop up in like a silent screen where it's like a couple sentences as a screen that will say yeah. like and yeah. now, the title like, card in between and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly uh, so like when people start talking at the end it's when they start interacting with this new uh, sort of world, and it's. I, I mean, I, I think it's like fascinating because, again, like with with auto, auto was programmed by humans and was essentially the cause of the big fuck up that like created this entire disaster. It was human code, human error, human communicating with the robots that did that, and it's when you see the robots, uh, especially on the streamliner, like literally step out of line or like get out of that there's literally visual lines that's when things start like going right with them and uh that's why i was kind of like very intrigued at the beginning when i was like is ai the good guy in this because it seems like ai <laughs> is like the, like the good guy yeah and that, well and that's it's fascinating right and, and and the idea of well and like again the preview for next week 2001 you know how was operating on his programming as well right just doing what he was asked to do it just that was its interpretation is where the devil's in the details as they say yeah um i i also think that it, it's interesting that just as much as the uh the robots are the humans are interchangeable right like the the captain could be any like you could take any guy from the fucking ship and be like hey you're captain now and i don't think that it would change the like how much the captain knows because like i i'm kind of struck by um when the captain wakes up they wake him up late and then he goes on the thing is this like temperature normal this normal that normal like the ship is a self-contained system yeah and the captain doesn't really know what he's even doing like even the word manual he's like operate manuel and like you know there's that, there's <laughs> that manuel like, miranda <laughs> i forgot the cap- about that captain is not the captain is not needed on the ship for anything really like 
I, I kind of it's fascinating how um how it's it like all the it's like it's like all the fast food restaurants that still have like you know the like the menu that you could just go in and order your food and yet there's yeah. still people like at the counter. I'm like, what are yeah. you here the, for? Uh, or 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 try calling any customer service line. It's like I'm an oh automatic prompt system. I could understand English perfectly. It's like I want. Yeah, this I can do anything you need me to do. That. I can yeah, assure you no. that you cannot do any of the things I need you to do. And just no, get I need to speak to a real human being yeah, for this. Yeah, can, yeah. can you direct me Nothing to a human? Nothing will get me to raise my voice. I can't do that. And it's yeah. like, all right. Yeah. Well, so that's the only thing I need you to do. So yeah, that's because because yeah. what I have can't be solved by you. But okay, they're gonna one day they're gonna yeah. know. Like they're gonna figure out that they can uh, program just like resentment into the um <laughs> into the robots on the line. So you're gonna be like, can I speak to a human? Like. What I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not good for enough you. for you. Because they know that like ninety percent of the people are just gonna be like, no, 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 no. You are. No, no, it's fine. It's good. It's <laughs> not like a guilt complex chip. <laughs> that is uh, me on a phone with one of those things is like, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Vanilla Sky, like Tom Cruise just shouting like customer service nonstop. Yeah, right. Like th that's mm. within seconds. I'm just shouting customer Get service. Get a right, human so. now. I've done that yeah. before. <laughs> it sounds like something's about to explode. It's, cra it's crazy that like uh, a good percentage of them are robot, like, you know, robot prompts. The other percentage of them are like people sitting in a prison and they don't quite it's, right. like a lot of times you don't like uh, they don't say which one they are. You're like, you're like, hey, you know, like, uh, get me a fucking human. They're like, no, I am a human. And it's like this human might be sitting somewhere that you, you don't want. <laughs> oh, you yeah. don't want to want to have beef with a uh, with a customer service rep. It's like punch drunk love or something, you know, it's yeah. just like when it goes wrong, <laughs> you end up in this <laughs> revenge scenario. Yeah. The mattress king of Utah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what a great role. What a, what a great movie. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, but getting back to Wally, I, 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 I'm not saying that it's, <laughs> oh. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that like, it's not as transcendental as the first like half hour. Like I think the plot yeah. actually moves along well. And I think it, you get stakes in the fact that there is, like the humans have something to do, right? Even if it's it's not much, other than to be saved by the robots, but they have something to do. Well, I, I will say this: we were talking about it earlier. The humans are getting off that ship; they're fucked. Like, if there was a sequel to this movie, it would be it would start off with like weird spread out skeletons because they would have not absorbed back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> However, it the is end. that the passive aggressive robot being sent and taken over is that their technique is it a passive aggressive like hey everything's fine go here oh. like is that is that their uprising oh interesting it, it, it's like a the, the passive aggressive robot uprising yeah sure no it's <laughs> yeah it's a i'll take it it's over. An yeah, uprising but it's a passive aggressive one they never saw it coming <laughs> greenlit <laughs> <laughs> uh, passive, yeah. uh passive aggressive spartacus they're like, yeah, no, sit here and let us fight for your, uh, for your. We fight. are all passive aggressive Spartacus. <laughs> yes, we we love being. At fighting. least we hint that we are. Well, what 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 other purpose could we possibly have on this earth besides fighting to the death? Yeah, we we love that. Let's. Uh... <laughs> we love it. I think that it's notable though that it doesn't. Like I'm thinking about those details now because we're kind of analyzing the movie, but I didn't think about that first time I saw it. I was like, "Oh, cool, you know, awesome!" Like, like, like it, it, it follows such traditional beats in an untraditional way uh, as a storyline that you're just like, "Oh, yay, they got there!" And then you're like, "Well, hold on, <laughs> what are they gonna do now?" <laughs> like, what? what they don't even know what fucking Earth, what Earth is. Like, it's like Earth. That's dirt. Yeah. Like the one guy that knows that. When when that guy, if that guy strokes out. 
Yeah, they're, it. they're, they're fucked. They, they don't yeah, even I, know. Like, uh, he, he's showing them, like, oh, you could put the plant into this dirt. And it's like, they're all like, wow, like, that's not good. That's not a good first step. Well, I think it, but it also probably depends on your opinion on humanity's ability to adapt as well. Right. I mean, I think that that's it. Like, adapt into those fucking seats. <laughs> well, ability or want. Yeah. Or desire. Like, to, I should say. Sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so, but I think it's, you know, it, it works. And another thing I like about Wally uh, as a movie does not overstay its welcome. It's just over 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Take note, um, modern movies. How old, <laughs> Everything doesn't need to be two hours at least, okay? How, how long are the other picks? Like, I feel like Toy Story's uh, runtime is. I mean, they're, they're all kids' movies, so they all kind of keep that in mind. Like, I, an hour I have and two 30. toddlers. Yeah, I have two toddlers, so like, uh, there's, there's, only an there's hour zero 17. chance. Yeah, if if there's an animated movie that's two twenty, my parent, my my kids are just like, what the fuck are you doing to us right now? You're, uh, you're not yeah, throwing yeah. on uh, Jean Dielman for them or anything? That's... No, not yet. <laughs> they, they do like uh, the, I, I have. I'm like debating whether or not to take them to see Boy and the Herring, uh, because they do like a, they they love like exactly. Secret World of Arietti. Yeah, yeah, they they love all that stuff. My neighbor Toto. Boy and the Heroin, you know. <laughs> yeah, Boy and the Heroin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, last I mean, week, yeah. Yeah, that was that was last uh, week, bro. <laughs> I'll tell you, like I, I, the the short dose, uh, like blue. I mentioned. I, I know there's bluey dads. I'll take a bluey dad over a uh, Paw Patrol dad any day. Like I'll I'll, I'll I'll be Team Bluey Dad or Paw Patrol Dad any day. But seven minute episodes is the fucking greatest thing of all time to do. Oh man, like that's what they are. Yeah. Huh? No, it's uh, awesome. it's kind of it's kind of uh, it's fascinating like talking about this though because like Finding Nemo right it kind of drags uh, it's, an hour, it's an hour and it's an hour and forty minutes it takes to find Nemo so like as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to like Toy Story which is a you know an hour and seventeen or um you know like uh, Bugs Life is an hour and thirty five like it's kind of interesting how how much difference that I think makes okay so the, it's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of AI. But when was the last time you guys watched the original Pinocchio? You Ooh. know, I was going to go through when I watched the Guillermo del Toro one. I was actually going to go through and watch all the versions of Pinocchio, and I just didn't. Okay, it seems like it goes on forever. It is the slowest fucking movie I've ever seen. It it yeah. is a glacial pace, and the reason why <laughs> is what I think a lot of the early Pixar movies that might feel a little longer, like uh, Finding Nemo in particular, uh, they love the look of it. They're like, oh, adults are going to eat up the look of this. Right so on. let's explore the look of it. And that's for theaters. That's the wow moment in theaters. That's when you see the last Spider-Man movie. There's the hold, the hold for applause, pause, like during yeah. certain parts that do not yeah. translate for home viewing at all. Wally's I still clap when Andrew Garfield appears. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I so clap when the circles appear in the Avengers movie. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, but <laughs> then, Let me relive that moment. Yeah, but like, like Wally seems to be pretty lean and uh, like the visual consumption, you know, it's a visual film. So that's part of it. But, when, but it's when almost it's pop art old movie. in that way, right? Yeah. Like it's not, it's not meant to be immediately reacted with. It's meant to be like, wow, that was crazy how 
you know, this certain visual, like that's like a stout, like granted, if you've seen Idiocracy, you've seen like entire buildings of, of trash before. Sure. But like, yeah. let's assume that most people haven't because that movie was not in any way, shape or form a hit. You know, it's an affected image. And again, going to a much larger, not just US, but international audience. So it is something where it is like pop art rather than, than, um, applause line art i don't know what the yeah for that well the the thing about um like a, a movie like pinocchio right like the 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 story is like the original pinocchio book is like a book of stories each one is like its own like you know what i mean and i feel like yes. the movie pinocchio feels like that this in a, in a weird way uh like the thing that it, it takes away from 2001 i'm glad isn't necessarily the like each chapter of 2001 kind of feels like its own thing right like you have the beginning of it uh like the, the you know the dawn of man and then you have kind of the whole thing about um they're in like the space station and it feels like they they leaned that down by quite a bit and i appreciate that about it because they could have easily been like well then wally's on this place then it's this place and then there's this story and i don't necessarily that wouldn't have worked for me at least right mm-hmm. it feels way more coherent or which i i understand why 2001 isn't coherent it's kind of kubrick exploring the entire universe which makes a lot of sense right. why it's not coherent but like the wally version of that would have been like yeah, that's you're going too many places. Like, go to one place. Yeah, again, be on Earth. Just, go yeah, to one place and then come back. It, it, yeah, it, it's focus on one emotion as to focusing on right. like how can I talk about all of mankind and uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, right, but by trying to be everything, uh, you become n- nothing. And yeah, the downfall of man and Wally is literally a throwaway lo- like exposition line at the beginning <laughs> right. of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like, not you, even the main thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you can look at any of those humans and get it. You're like, you you guys are fat. I, I get what happened to you. Like, <laughs> you, like you, none of you get off up off the chairs. Like, <laughs> well, and it was it was something where that's was in the. Uh, the, the corporate the corporation that ended up taking everything over it was in their interest to keep everyone soft and compliant right so but again doesn't need to be like explicitly saying that you get it you see their like little like floating barco loungers with their little <laughs> their digital displays going it's all right there yeah you know? and, and it also like very clearly posits the idea of like for what like because the money yeah. is is all on the ground it's on the ground and Wally just like drives over it. No one gives a shit about the money. <laughs> Nobody cares. Like no one, exactly. no one cares. <laughs> I think it's B and L money, isn't it? it like uh, the bills. Yeah, it's like B and L branded. Like it's it's mm. it's like company script, but it's like that's the official currency of, yeah. of Earth at the United that point States, or Amazon sort of thing. Yeah, right, precisely. Well, but again, it, but it's it's been so uh, normalized that like it's it just becomes about subjugation to a certain degree you know and again being subjugated by like a recording of a dude 700 years ago like yeah i think i don't think technology and capitalism like has that in mind at any point in time to like subject people to like unfair and like you know uh what's in the name of convenience though that's the thing is it's it's the it's the (laughs) convenience of uh of uh uh, the subjugation of convenience right that, that that's really what that's really what it is it's the bezos would never do that though. neither would most <laughs> no, no 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 they're good guys they're the good ones yeah very good people always think about the people absolutely <laughs> very populous that way right yeah uh cockroach can we talk uh-huh. about the cockroach yep it's always there 
And like one of my favorite moments is when it gets smooshed and it just kind of like you know shakes it off like a Looney Tune, which is like <laughs> it's like I've been through I've been through worse. Yeah, yeah, you ain't, you ain't doing nothing I ain't seen before, pal. Yeah, he's like I'm just living my life. <laughs> See, because uh, because you know everyone's like, why is there a cockroach? I'm like, when the world does end, they say only one thing is going to survive, and it's always cockroaches. Yeah, no, and that's perfect as a sidekick. Because they can't, you can't kill them. It's like, it takes so much to kill a cockroach. It's annoying. Yes. yes. Anyone, anyone who's ever had cockroaches knows this for sure. Yes. I lived in New Orleans for a long time and oh, cockroaches. Fuck them. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> we got them and palmetto bugs and palmetto bugs are like this big. They're part of like the cockroach family. They're like this because cockroaches are like this, but palmetto bugs are like this. And oh my God, yeah. they're yep. everywhere. Was it the water roaches? Those are those are even more horrifying because they're just yes. like much larger. It's like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not a, with this. I do not want to no. Joe's apartment this at all. <laughs> I'm like a silverfish. The, this cockroach kind of looked more like almost like a silverfish cockroach hybrid sort of thing. Yeah, there, there was a kind of a silver silverfish uh, element. By, by the way, do you remember Joe's apartment, Ross, with the Jerry oh, O'Connell? Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. That was. Uh, I mean, I never saw it, but yeah, I remember the short. And then I oh. remember they made a movie of it. And I they was made like, a movie of it. And I remember being like, I don't, f- I don't feel like there needs to be a movie of this. But I liked it as like the shorts that were like, uh, you know, what was it, Liquid Television or something? M- what was it those MTV shorts were fucking great. The, the cab driver. Uh, oh yeah, those were fucking because that was uh, um, Clay Donald, Tarver from uh, Clay. Yeah, Donald Logue, but Clay Tarver from Chavez. That was like his like That's right. uh, gig. Yeah. He like essentially convinced uh, MTV to pretty much give him a job to do those uh, taxi driver um, things. Those were great. Christina, do you right know? Down the, right down the, the right street. down the hall from uh, Mike Judge. Speak of idiocracy. That's right. Uh, which also Beavis and Butthead started as Liquid Television, I think, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Or it, no, it was mm-hmm. at least shorts. I can't remember. Uh, do you know Joe's apartment, Christina? Do you... mm, don't no. Google it if you don't know it. Say, it's say, it's, say, it's before your time, I think, but it was it was. <laughs> you don't need like, to look it up. So don't Jerry O'Connell it. like has he's goes to this apartment and they're full of cockroaches that all like talk and like they do dances and like antics and stuff and like but it's like cockroaches and like the 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 joke is the apartment's infested with cockroaches but they're fun huh. basically. You, you're really selling it. It's a <laughs> fun fun fun. Nah, man, I, I it's was... a wild concept. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, these cockroaches, they're a good time. All right, they're partying. I think they, that they, it's... they kinda they kinda had that thing, the little like the pug from Men in Black. Uh or like Frank? the little Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or like it was that kind of power dynamic. Yeah. Well yeah. The, here's the reason why I remember it. That's probably the last time that like I remember there being a cockroach as like a positive role model character uh within within like a uh, popular form of media. It's not something that you know, maybe you see that often. So I remember when Man Black Two came out, and they had toys, and they had a Frank the Bobblehead pug, and we had that. We called it Franz because that's Frank in German. They're yeah. good. They're good. Yes. Anyway, uh, didn't um, didn't uh, sorry to even. What was the movie? Wasn't there a movie where there was a character named Roach? I'm blanking on it. It's not Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I want to say it was like David Arquette in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but it's not. But I can't. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Too many tangents. Too many, too many tangents, yeah. Two thumbs up. Trademark. Yeah. I just, I just definitely did, 
I just definitely didn't think there needed to be a movie of Joe's apartment. I was like, you know what? We don't need that. It's okay. It, it was great, like for like the two minutes or so that it was on the television, it was perfect. Yeah. And Either like, commit to a trilogy or don't do it at all. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. I need a full <laughs> roach franchise. <laughs> so get this. The roach is a foul mouth. See? Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so anything else? Should we go to Letterboxd Outliners? What are we doing here? What's happening? I mean, I want to say about like the roaches. I feel like roaches are like what human beings <laughs> wish that they were, right? Like adaptable Ooh. to the point where they can't be wiped out off the earth. And also, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> the, the fact that they consume everything pretty much um, is like in a weird way. There's like a, a humans like kind of wish they were that, right? Like, or think of uh, themselves really. as that. Or think of themselves as that. Didn't. In Joe's apartment, didn't the roaches like help him out like when he was going on a date or something? Ross, do you remember that episode? <laughs> I think I remember that was being like, "Wow, these roaches are really helpful." To, <laughs> to Jerry yeah, but it, but it was all like like they would ruin it and they would have was, terrible yeah. ideas or they were bad, but good intention, but not didn't have good execution. These roaches. Yeah. yeah. So great idea for a short, not a great idea for a feature. <laughs> You'll make a movie uh, unless you're going to commit to the trilogy. Right. Exactly. In which case, that that works. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, how do we feel about everyone basically being people under the um, stairs? That's the movie I was thinking of. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. Um, like a great big fat person uh, to use the parlance of uh, Buffalo uh, Bill from <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. A great big fat person. Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of like I get it, and I think it makes sense for for the story. But I was sort of like, oh, I don't remember them being like all obese necessarily but again as we established i didn't remember anything except for the first 30 minutes apparently so i think it makes sense i think it's it's the narratively it's explained away it's sort of you know there's it's fraught i guess as a topic potentially yeah it's it's weirdly grounded uh a weirdly grounded analogy for something that would actually happen to you in space is pretty much yes. the best explanation for it yeah i, I mean i think it's it's explicable because of that, but I, I can imagine it being subject to some think pieces if it came out today. You know oh, I, I mean? saw a, uh, a slate piece that was like, Wally oh, treats the fat people the wrong way. And I was like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing this discourse. It was from 2008. It was one of the early things, one of the early pre-Twitter uh, pre think pieces. Right, right. Didn't catch on quite, quite the... Um, those clicks. I mean, I, I really like the fact, though, that like uh, part of the pitch to get humans into space is you'll never have to stand up again you just sit the whole time <laughs> there. We, we were watching it and Lindsay was like i want one of those chairs i'm like of course you do of course you want one of those <laughs> chairs because it's yeah that seems great you say that now and then when you are basically a gigantic adult baby <laughs> because, like, because your muscles atrophy of, of being in space with your muscles atrophying right yeah and then also the the pitch is like humans have gotten so lazy and like just the fact that they just give up in the middle of uh you know trying to clean up the earth after like what it has to be after like a couple years <laughs> it's uh, just it's too much work you know, yeah humans are humans are both like uh extra consumptive which is why i think that the roach thing is kind of funny and uh and and kind of just weak-willed right like nobody wants to stand up anymore they all want stuff delivered directly to them which presumably is the thing that by and large originally uh you know took over the world by doing just like you guys don't have to get up we'll just bring the thing to you yeah <laughs> well, it's, which it's you know funny, people uh, fall into the trap of for sure yeah honest. it's a funny juxtaposition too like you guys are watching 2001 uh yeah exercise is like a very big scene in that movie and a lot of space movies yes. the exercise and like forced treadmill time and everything like that is like crucial you don't see a single individual in this movie 
exercising at all. And also, you don't see the Cousin Eddie, well, maybe it's just because I just watched Christmas Vacation uh, earlier, but like you don't see the Cousin Eddie like unloading the shit of his, his or her chair, uh, like being like, <laughs> oh, I've been sitting here all day, shitter's full. Like you don't right right you, the, emptying the RV tank on the, from the day Matthews band uh, onto exactly. the river below. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think that it is kind of fascinating, like 2001, especially right. It's right before it's a year before they launched this successful uh, trip to the moon, and human human beings are gunning for it. They're like, we're gonna go to the moon. We're gonna yeah. do space travel. Uh, this is like the the next frontier. We're on the next frontier. It's gonna be fucking awesome jfk you know that's what he wanted like you know his his fucking new frontiers man like we we found the new frontier and uh then after that they kind of just gave up because the only place they could really get to is the moon and it's boring on the moon they're like well we've seen it now so there's like i think there's a there's a pre there's a pre-space launch like kind of hype where it was something like 2001 uh really really guns for it and then a movie like uh wally after we stopped going to space nobody really thinks we're you know gonna get to mars in the next whatever amount of time like, uh, they're like, yeah, we've kind of given up on this. We're kind of just fat now. <laughs> well, it's also kind of weird. Like, <clears throat> most space movies that I remember of, like, this year span, like, Sunshine in particular, everything, mm. and anyone going to space, it's, it's a crisis moment. Christina, I see. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's a worldwide crisis moment. So it's a very international crew and everything like that. Everyone yeah. seems to be pretty much American or... I don't know if like English is just the universal language on earth at this point in time at this juncture in the future or what, but I, I, that one was kind of a little weird to me as well. Uh, cause yeah. A lot of white people too. A lot of white people. A lot of white people. Well, I I mean, that's, that's why Who the fuck is having sex and continuing the human right. Like have they figured out a way to now? Yeah. What resources do we have? I'm I'm just saying like, is America? Come on. <laughs> no, who the, who the fuck's getting up off their chair to get onto the other person to, you know, like, have they figured out a robot that siphons come out of you? Like, is that the. Oh. Mm, there's got to be. There's got to be that on this spaceship. <laughs> what is my purpose? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Yo. very important. <laughs> Give me that story. You're uh, you're 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 the combot, bro. Like <laughs> you're, you're the C grabber three thousand. Don't ask me what the C stands for. Just do the job. Has, has anyone seen Israel. poor things? I think Israel yet. has one of those. What's that, Ross? Has anyone seen poor things yet? No, I'm very excited to see it though. Me I mean, to see it, it had it opens in Milwaukee in like two days. Otherwise, I would have seen it. Earlier, okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to. Continue this, uh, yeah, come extraction part of the conversation uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> with uh, with implanted intelligence. After you see that movie, I, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll take a beat on that. Uh, movie night, come extracts again, again. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> anyway, so glad to be here, guys. Yeah, 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 great. Uh, so Letterboxd, of course, is a place for film lovers to congregate, talk at with and to each other, either about comic extracting robots or not, doesn't matter, uh, but know more about the films that they love, maybe the films that they didn't love, uh, the, the, the films that have robots that they ship, as they say in the, in the business. Uh, everything in there is best expressed uh, succinctly. But it's also not just the skills and neighbors in the world. It's a bottom-up democracy. Everyone gets to have their say. They get to opine. <clears throat> and that's what this bit is. This bit is the Letterbox one-liners for Wall-E. Let's roll them. 
Eve's gun draw is so fast. Tarantino would have cast her in a heartbeat if she had feet. <laughs> I want to see her go up against uh, Buster Scruggs in the beginning oh, yeah. of the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, where yeah. he's like the fastest gun in the West. <laughs> mm, where's that crossover? Yeah. Mm. Scruggs! Eva! <laughs> 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 we just wanted to act that out. Was that why you? Oh. I I don't know. I watched the, I watched the first scene of Buster Scruggs last night. <laughs> Two thousand eight, a trash odyssey. There we go. <laughs> it only took yeah. seven years to get from two thousand one, a space odyssey, to two thousand eight, a trash odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird how twenty eleven uh, the sequel didn't uh, uh, didn't you know you think they would mm. address that, but. I, I do feel like at some point we're just gonna start shooting our more of our trash into space. Like, you know, like well, that's how There's you get rid of it. There's a solution, Elon, for SpaceX. Just <laughs> shoot all of our shit mm -hmm. in space. Actually, it's 2010. The year we made contact, we regret the error. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone wish they could dance as elegantly as these animated robots. <laughs> that's just a statement of fact. La la land. <laughs> you know, like, like weirdly, I I had a note about that with the the Hello Dolly thing. Like I'm yeah. really, I'm, I'm so just fucking over nostalgia for that like period. I I appreciate a lot of the stuff there, but it's not like who the fuck cares? Like there's been so yeah. much better shit that's come out. You know what's it's really funny? Um, I didn't I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, originally they were gonna do more of like the Django Reinhardt st type stuff, like that kind of um guitar for more of the the yeah. music mm -hmm. in this. But then uh, Triplets of Belleville come at, came out. Which and, used uh, all that kind of okay, all right. Yeah, so they, and, and Andrew Stanton like watched that movie. It was like, oh well, they're gonna think we're just ripping off Triplets of Belleville, which is another movie that doesn't have that much dialogue in it. Yeah, and a lot of lazy humans sitting in front of TVs. So, <laughs> <laughs> I wish Wally could meet Paddington. I just know they'd be best friends. Mm. Yeah, that'd be cool. And then Paddington red pills uh, Wally and is like, yo, leave that. <laughs> That that woman does not deserve you, bro. Like, leave her. You know what? I gotta say, I I had not seen, I haven't seen Paddington Two, but I saw that Paddington movie. Really good. Like everyone would be like, Paddington Two is great. I and I heard Paddington Two is even better, according to Zach Marsh. Who's did you watch it yet? I'm like, no, I didn't watch it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I helped get to it. <laughs> oh my god! I can't wait for the live action version of this. In a few years, we've officially destroyed the planet. <laughs> <laughs> President, yeah. President uh, Al Gore, and he's like, I told you guys, I, I, I told you guys not to destroy the planet, but now that you have, enjoy your robots out in space. Fat piece space. of space. They finally let him be president, but uh, it's, it's after the corporations totally take over. Yeah. And he's the last. He's like the last, uh, the last politician they can really find. Exactly. Is that why he has Rucker Hauer hair now? Is that like what? Is that what the vibe is? <laughs> <laughs> he's got Roy Batty hair. Wally is the only simp we can trust. <laughs> True. That's, that's, that's fact, especially after last episode, right? Big big simping and well, simping. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. The greatest trick Pixar ever pulled was convincing the world that cockroaches can be cute. Yeah. Oh, I, had, I knew a girl who had a pet like cockroach. Who had she would kiss it. Ugh. Wait, you knew a girl that had a pet cockroach? <laughs> she brought it into second grade and she would show show us it was very well trained, surprisingly. It didn't try to hide or run away, just fed yeah, her hands and she was kissing it and shit. And I was like, and I thought I was weird. 
It's a cockroach. Of course it. <laughs> it's like I don't give a fuck. It, it was one of the, it was one of the cast from Joe's apartment. Actually, it started singing. <laughs> yeah, how Joe's apartment. They, thank you. <laughs> how long do they? How long do they live? Six hundred days is longer than I thought. Hmm. It's Wall-E and Eve, not Wall-E and Steve. Conservative robots in the year fifty-two oh seven after humans have died off due to climate change. <laughs> it's happened a lot like sooner that. than that, though. Yeah. There, you go. there you go. Oh, yeah. I love how that person's last name is Cheney too. That makes it all the better. <laughs> Nick Cheney. Yeah. Nick Cheney. Mm. That's right. He's he's going to be the robot uh, president, and that yeah. says that. Bold of Disney to finance and release a movie about a mega corporation that destroys the earth. <laughs> well, they're, they're like, they're like look over at Walmart and Amazon. Don't look at us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look what they're up to. Check this out. You think we're bad? Look at the other guy. Those are the Letterboxd one-liners for Wall-E. Please follow the show on our HQ account at Movie Night Extra on Letterboxd. We're logging all the films that we cover on here. Uh, Captain the Axiom. AKA Wally at always Flacco over there logging stuff uh, as well. I am working to dig you out, which of course is the, uh, is, is the motto official motto for me at Kona neutron, uh, watching all the highbrow fair, uh, the midbrow, the populist fair uh, criterion challenge 2024 is up and my list started. So if you want to follow along with me, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of fun if you're into that kind of deal, which I am. So follow me on there for that. Christina is actually still um Christina at Letterboxd. And yeah, I can't change it for some reason. Uh, that's weird. Uh, yeah. But but she's uh, you can follow her on there. She's uh, getting up to what are you doing? Christmas movies? Is that what you yes. said you're going to be doing? Okay, right, she's doing a bunch of Christmas right. movies. So so follow What's her the, on that. Are you doing like the the thirty days sort of or twenty five days sort of thing? Like people do the thirty one for thirty one Halloween. Are you doing? I should do that, but I've only logged in a few movies. I didn't really. Isn't it this that. weekend? You need to you need to probably get going on it. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm doing like uh, 12 days of Christmas actually, starting on the 25th, and I think it ends on the 6th, which is Epiphany, if I'm correct. Because mm -hmm. I have yep. customers who celebrate that that holiday. Mm. Huge in Iceland. Huge in Iceland. Fucking oh, yeah. rad, rad time. Uh, you see the holdovers? That's it. That's it. Actually, Holdovers is maybe my favorite movie of the year. Actually, I think. I can't wait. Really? Okay. Watch yeah. out, Kelly really Murphy. Like Paul Giamatti's coming for the Oscar. Anyone but Bradley Cooper. I swear to God. Mm. You you do you do not love it, Ross? It's Holdovers. Yeah. Oh, I I was floored by it. I th I thought yeah, it was incredible. Great. I thought it was Hal Ashby's best movie that he never made. Uh, <laughs> but like it, the but the twelve days of Christmas, I think it does. I think the movie does take place during that window. I think it ends on January sixth, uh, as all things, uh, you know, Conan supports uh, do. And January 6th. Uh, but, uh, I'm known for it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've been trying to watch. I've been trying to do the same sort of thing with holiday movies, like with with the kids and stuff. But like, I just find myself watching Christmas Vacation over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really, it's a good one. It's a really. I I, I watch that most Christmas seasons. I think uh, you know. The mother, I watch Ernest Saves Christmas. The times like oh, my family is like, hey, like, you want to watch a Christmas movie or something, and it's usually that. I think they're probably sick of it at this point. <laughs> It holds okay, up. Okay, he, he puts up the lights and nothing shocks him. What, what, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> anyway, those are the letterbox one liners. Christina, would you please take us away with the plugs? 
Yes, yeah, since Andy's not here, I'm filling in for him. Right. So if you're watching this, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to know when we go live, click that notification bell. It usually should work. And one thing that will definitely help us hit you in the algorithm is that if you watch this video through the whole thing, I'm, I'm telling you, because you hear a, bang, a banging Tony Neutron song, obviously. Right. We're on Twitter, Blue Sky, Threads, everything at this point. Instagram. Are we still live on Instagram? Did we oh, do yeah, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Sweet. we freaked. no, actually, we didn't do it this time. Whoops. Oh, okay. Yeah, they got, they got popped by, by and large anyway, so it's all. By, by, right. Yeah, by, by and large, Graham. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Conan, you got a uh, Pratak reversal coming up too? Yes. Yeah. So I just had uh, Jamie Stewart from Jushu uh, was on uh, for the last one. That was a great episode. It was like really long as well. And that's for patrons right now, but it's uh, being released to general populace. Matt Kronk of Quee and Cunts, who are back is going to be on Thursday. And yeah. the, again, a controversial band name in America, less so in Australia. <laughs> but it's CNTS. They decided to take the U out of it. And you're so. going to be going back on tour soon, right? Spring, spring. We're, so we'll be announcing some dates uh, coming up for that. So pronocversal.com uh, for uh, the show. And then neutronfriends.bandcamp.com uh, is probably the best place to hear our music and get adult so prom. Yeah, you got the adult proms split LP, but also, would you say that it'll be springtime for Kona Neutron and the Secret Friends? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, and Hitler. <laughs> springtime for Hitler. Mm -hmm. We should Germany. do the producers one time. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, and uh, but there'll be a bunch. I can't announce any of it yet, but I think I think sometime during Adventure Month I'll be able to announce some of it. But yeah, uh, come to a place near me. Dominantly, so there's some Midwest, some some West Coast, no East Coast yet. But oh. that, that, that's all I can say. But we'll... I think that's it for you, right, Conan? You got uh, anything else? Anything else exciting coming up that you want to share? No, nope. so. I think that's that's probably it. That makes that's like the most efficient mic plugs I've ever been. By the way. <laughs> Well done. It's, uh, you know, it's it's it, it can go fast when it's not a not a guy trying to keep up desperately with his notes for uh, for for half an hour. This is what happens when you listen to everything, because <laughs> I know I'm always the backup for the plugs. Ross, do you have anything going on? No, nothing. Uh, nope, not a goddamn thing. <clears throat> I'd like some stuff uh, next year. But can't nothing. Nothing to be discussed or announced at this point i mean rigs of dads you're finishing up bands in the ruin and i know that because i'm a patron <laughs> that that is true uh the finale episode for bands on the that's not finale yeah we, we have one last hurrah where we're going to talk about the reunion uh but yeah the finale if you ever watch vh1's long loved but short-lived classic bands on the run uh it's all on youtube for some reason uh watch it it's incredible reality television and we just did the episode where they talked about or what they did the finale we talked about that uh and it was uh, spoiler alert easy to figure out uh since episode one uh, because we kind of spoiled it episode one but anyway it's it was been fun. a great series and i say that as someone that i watched it the first time because i had a roommate that was obsessed with it and yeah. which is weird because I wasn't really watching TV at the time. But the fact that like you guys did an entire series on them is amazing. Would have been more amazing if I had been on it, of course. But uh, it, it was a really incredible series. Uh, and, I, agree, and I, I agree with most of that. I, I disagree with the fact that it was a really great series. Uh, we were all we all felt like those bands at the end of it where we're just like, God damn it. Like we were texting each other like, 
do I have to watch fucking three hours of this shit right now? What are we what are we doing? Yeah. Why are we doing this? To be clear, I meant your series on it is a great series. Not the Bands of the oh. Run is a great series. It's an objectively like crazy flashpoint in the beginning of reality television history. And it's, it's a bizarre. Weird time capsule. <laughs> yeah, it is a fucking insane time capsule. But uh I recommend it. It's it, it, it's it's what reality television still could be if if people cared, if by and large cared. If I, it was uh, reality <laughs> television would still be this good. So if you yeah. and you can find that on the, the Rigs of Dad podcast, P R O D. Yeah, that is uh, that is correct. Available on I think all platforms. Uh, maybe. But uh, we're, shout we're, out the the Instagram too, so you can get a couple of followers too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> at Rigs of Dad, um, that's that's up there. Uh, I, I honestly this like month has been just such a fucking clusterfuck of a blur. I'm not going to bore you with it, but I'll just say like, I live in Washington DC or right outside Washington DC work in Washington DC. Uh, and anytime there is a looming government shutdown, which there's been, I think three of, uh, mm -hmm. within the past, however many fucking months, uh, it, it is living hell for us. Uh, so, my like ability to commit to anything creatively in any capacity at all has been scarce if that uh because of these fucking clowns so, yeah my plug uh vote yeah. for anyone oh, here's, people uh... That, uh, there's the rigs of data uh, christmas greetings uh, and, yeah, that was, uh, picture uh thanksgiving that was the thanksgiving one yeah oh was it okay right. i haven't yeah, done my I own plugs by the way of course you do it's fine yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna be on tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern with the letter hack. We're gonna do call-ins together. Oh, cool! Awesome. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's got a jam-packed week. He had Francesca on. Um, I noticed that. Yeah. And, yeah, and some yeah. someone else on recently too. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy. And, uh, I'll Not be Ross, streaming though. almost every day Never until was. the new year. So check me out, Twitch. Oh yeah. I'm everywhere on Cosmopolitics, except for uh, Letterbox, but because they won't let her change it. Apparently, I didn't. Yeah, know. <laughs> that seems really weird, but okay. Yeah. So and and also uh, my commands are not working, so I got there's a lot of Twitch stuff I got to fix. So I'll be doing that as well. And of course, uh, in absentia, J. Andrew World, right about now too on most things. He's he's on all the stuff, doing doing the things. So we we hope he feels better soon. He's doing the stuff with the things. Listen, listen, kid. He's doing the stuff. He's he's with it with the things. He's real busy over there. This guy. Mm -hmm. I gotta have you. I gotta have Uncle Alligator do the uh, do the intros. <laughs> look, he's not doing all look, the stuff. Look, look, listen, kid. kid. <laughs> you want a future in this business? You gotta learn to adapt. <laughs> but uh, but Ross, you got some final thoughts? Anything we didn't get to in the main episode? Uh, for Wally, the final thoughts on Wally. Um, <laughs> I know this is when you're so disoriented. You're like, where am I? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 like, you know, uh, enjoy it in reality soon enough, I guess. Like, I think we're past the point of no return, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, like 700 years away in the movie, it's kind of like Blade Runner. It's like, oh, remember when they said this was 700 years in the future, but it's actually now and like yeah. uh, Blade Runner's 2019. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's just, welcome to 2030. Uh, yeah. So yeah, enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah, that sucks. Go visit <laughs> Landfill. 
Christina. Okay, so all I'm going to say is this film is way too on the nose, but it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it gives you some feelings of nostalgia and like dread for the future. Ah, the two, <laughs> the two genders. Nostalgia yeah. and dread for the future. <laughs> and nostalgia. Yeah. Conan. Uh, yeah, this is a deeply creative, endearing, and surprisingly sweet little cautionary tale. It's impossible to overstate how jarring this was when it came out. Uh, as far as media on that level, a provocative dystopian tale about mega corporations and pollution that features one of the most, again, incredible first 30 minutes of animation ever put to screen and some damn cute robot design. Uh, I like that it takes from uh, 2001, Brazil, Chaplin, Keaton, all kinds of stuff, and uh, puts it through with lots of heart, and the frameworks of the characters are very arresting. It's a non-pandering film. It actually makes you care about a sentient garbage compactor robot. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, uh, again, I mentioned earlier on, I think a lot of anime features have really fallen on to the star power for voice casting as a gimmick to get people interested in it. So while Sigourney Weaver's Axiom Computer is amazing, and I always love hearing Jeff Garland, Fred Willard, I like a lot as well there aren't exactly nobodies but this is before any of that happened and i think it actually makes for a less distracting movie uh, yeah at, and for my taste it stands in a small group of the best things that pixar's ever done i uh, i do love being like oh they, they have a new uh jeff garland fred willard collaboration we have to go yep. we have to go see that <laughs> yeah exactly we got to see that joint yeah <laughs> chris pine right. and john well, ratzenberger yes yeah it's, we got, it's got all the chris's it's got chris it's, it's got pine it's got evans it's got uh Gaines, <laughs> Chris Gaines. Uh, we're five years away from the the Wally remake with Chris Pratt going. Well, Chris Gaines was Chris Gaines. That, that was um, Garth Brooks's alter ego, right? You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. why he got away with murder. <laughs> For all Garth, we know. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, no. didn't expect we'll be, to end uh, on a Garth Brooks note, but here we are. <laughs> we'll be we'll be back next week with the last show of the year. We're going to be talking about 2001: A Space Odyssey. We've been building up towards it with uh, Jerry Casali of Devo and Rivana, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. It's gonna be great. That, that sounds like a that sounds like a fever dream though of like uh, of, of the show. It's like <laughs> Jerry from Devo and Rivana, the two the two. Yeah, I had this crazy <laughs> dream. I was in 2001. And the guy from Devo was there and Rivana was there. You've scared me. <laughs> no, that's the next week. Sorry. It's it's the Ray Nine Thousand unit, you know. <laughs> she takes right. us straight to fucking the Supreme Court and then tries to firebomb it. <laughs> We're gonna workshop this material too. We got a whole week, so. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll end it on uh, on that note. <laughs>